right. I'm definitely. Click your microphones to honk. Yo! Hello, 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 hello. Honk, my phone. Working. One, one, one. Two, two. One, two, two. One, Nine. Good, done. Pip wins. That's number wang. Three. Rotate the pip. Hello and welcome to episode 198 of the Creighton Crowbar. It is the 18th of July, 2017. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. And returning from ages ago, podcast special guest and editor of PC Gamer, Sam Roberts. Hello. Editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief, indeed. Only as of the 1st of August. Okay. Like, Not yet long. then, Sam. <laughs> no, I haven't changed my uh, my Twitter bio, so, you know. Me and, Phil are gonna, me and Phil Savage on PC Gamer, who's now becoming editor, we're going to coordinate it mm, uh, to do it on the same day. So thank you for joining us for this PC Gamer of 2014, <laughs> 15, and 16 era. Wow. The Memorial Podcast. It's like nine months ago again. Who would have thought it? It's like I never left and then lured you to my house. Oh, thank you for having me. I really that's appreciate quite it. All right. And that's the most amazing response to that thing I just said. <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, we may, may be joined by Pip later for questions, which I thought I should mention because we've played it as a surprise enough times now that bit's getting old. She may join us later. She's a little bit busy. Tom Francis is in the Dudoin. Of course he is. And that leaves the three of us to discuss computer game news. Of which there is zero. Of which there is none at all. Nothing is happening yeah. in the world of video games. Basically, it's post E3. It's pre-Gamescom. Everybody's tired. Everyone's going to have a lie down for a month or two. It's not a traditional gift-giving period. Unless you're me. Hint, hint. It's my birthday. birthday. Yes. Very soon. Um, But not in a broad commercial sense that would motivate the games industry to do something. But what they have done is announce some possibly significant personnel changes at Bioware. Mm. So that's what we're running with. Okay. (laughs) No games news uh, gets me hotter under the collar than uh, ones that contain the word personnel. You know, like like, what tiny thing will they pull out of the miasma of news today? (laughs) Indeed. Twenty minutes. (laughs) How can Joe Donnelly's slow news day be our slow evening? The answer is Aaron Flynn is leaving Bioware, but Casey Hudson is going back. (laughs) Good for them. (laughs) That's the end of the news section. (laughs) Indeed. What have you been playing, everyone? Sam, what have you been playing? No, uh, well, hang on. Back up a bit, Tom. <laughs> okay. Sam, yes. you know your Bioware. I do. Why is this significant? Is well, it? This is a challenge. Well, mm. Casey Hudson oversaw the original Mass Effect trilogy, right? And mm-hmm. then he worked on KOTOR as well, I believe. Like, yes. He was at Bioware for a very long time. And then left, I think, about halfway through Andromeda, I believe. Uh, the, the development of Andromeda, that is. And then um, went to do some Microsoft HoloLens stuff, I think. And uh, that's where he's returning from. And he's replacing Aaron Flynn, who's been there for 17 years, apparently. Wow. Yeah. You know everything about these people. I, I read Aaron Flynn's farewell message. And he, he said, <laughs> I, I just want you to know he's having a two-week handover period with KC Hudson to talk him through the, uh, the specifics <laughs> of the job. Okay. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, that was way I more than expected. Yeah. And that's the end of the news section. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it literally would be possible to speculate for minutes on end, but... We could just not for once. Well, do you think that, I mean, do you think this means new mass value code or means the, the, I, I, sp- say I suppose if you were going to read anything into it at length, uh, if you had to, for example, you mm. might 
choose the fact that Andromeda obviously wasn't the smash out of the park. Everyone loved it. Success that they were hoping for. Mm. So they've clearly uh, either done or not done something. That's my take. Yes. Sam? <laughs> I agree with your non-committal answer, Chris. I um, I struggle to believe it's really indicative of anything other than they probably need someone <laughs> yeah. to steer Anthem because it it looked in a pretty early state from that E3 reveal that seemed more to me mm. like a vertical slice than an actual mm. like demo of what the game plays like. Like, uh, yeah, I think well, that's that year, that game is far, far off, years, years away. And uh, yeah, especially the fact that it's apparently definitely coming out end of next year. No way. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that at all. Um. I mean, yeah. didn't Andromeda itself su- uh, suffer significant delays? I think it did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to get some expertise back, then why not have someone who steered, you know, Bioware's biggest hit ever, which I, I think Mass Effect was. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. someone who creatively steered those games into critically acclaimed heights. God, this is my analysis of the news. Shall we move on to what we've been playing? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. this isn't my podcast. <clears throat> no, I'd like, to, I'd like to make sure at least two people have given up on a bit before we really <laughs> move on. Tom, obviously, he felt it early. But you played it. And uh, well, I, I appreciate that. I, was I like Bioware. I like Bioware. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still all in on Bioware, and I'm, uh, yeah, I, I hope Anthem goes well. And Me I, too. I wish them both the best. Yeah, I yeah. can tell because you're apparently following Aaron Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I literally do on the Twitter platform. Yeah, um, that's yeah. a great, great way out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so uh, with that, I have run out of things to say on that particular news piece. Perfect. There is, apparent, as far as we can tell, no other news. Uh, so, what's everybody been? playing sam why don't you go first okay so i've been playing uh the sexy brutal um, hmm. which i don't know if you've talked about the podcast before we have not um pips played it uh, hmm. according to my my steam data um but um yeah this is uh, basically a puzzle puzzle game from the uh some former Lionhead people and it's essentially has uh, like a, a time rewind system where the day times out a groundhog day style system i guess where the day times out and you have to solve the murders of these party guests in that time the whole setting is like a a masked ball style Mm. party in this mansion and you uh yeah one by one have to save the guests essentially so if i give if i give an example like uh, this in the tutorial um i don't want to give any more specifics because obviously that's kind of the game is figuring out exactly how to solve these but um, you see the sequence of events the first time, and you can you can um, like look through doors to see which characters are moving where, and then you can interact with certain props, move things around, essentially to try and break the sequence of events in a mm. way that will save the party guest. So the first one is the victim in one room opens a safe and like a blank bullet falls out, and then in another room um, the uh, perpetrator grabs a rifle. Uh, from the uh, from the wall like an antique rifle that's still loaded and goes into the place and shoots the guy but like um yeah when this guy opens the safe you grab the bank blank bullet swap it into the rifle and so when the perpetrator goes to shoot the victim uh the gun doesn't work and he throws like a candlestick at the guy's head and then he he his life is saved essentially right and that's the tutorial and it's uh it's 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 really neat and like that's a really simple example but like um that kind of like cause and effect interaction of uh items with uh yeah you know, environment is essentially how it plays out it's uh, it's a, it's it's yeah it's incredibly cool and it's backed up by this very beautiful uh aesthetic like it, it the color palette weirdly and the perspective it's kind of like um a little bit isometric 3D reminds me a little bit of final fantasy 7 weirdly hmm. um but uh yeah it's it's is that, that pre-rendered backdrop with characters well, on I it I don't or? think they're pre-rendered um maybe some like maybe like the walls are but like it, it has that 
it has a that look about it. I think mm. just from the perspective of the camera. Um, Thinking about it, do you even need to pre-render things anymore? Can you just render them now? I assume so. Because you yeah. don't see much of that around these days, do you? No. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's very inventive and uh, mm. yeah, and, and with with lots of good writing in there as well as you kind of learn bits about the different characters. How is that writing expressed? Is it like dialogue that repeats during the party? Is it like extra game stuff? Yes, it, it repeats um, on each playthrough. So the se- it will always play out in the same sequence each time. But like um, you have to piece it together because because the perpetrator and the victims will always sometimes it's more than one victim as well will always be moving in and out of places, interacting with different characters. You only can really piece the story together by following each one around in different playthroughs to get a complete perspective of what's going mm. on. Um, but it's very, very funny writing, quite, uh, quite tragic in places as well with some of the characters. And like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a very inventive way of presenting that story, I think. And it doesn't overdo it with the like hints from the characters of going, Oh, I'd hate, I'd hate to get shot in the head today. None of that. Stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's very, very cool. That's really cool. Hmm. Have you, um, have you found those, like, is it satisfying to solve those puzzles or is it like busy work after a point? Uh, it's, they don't last for too long. I think the game is about six hours long and there's about, I think it's like nine or ten guests. I'm about halfway through it now. And, uh, each one resolves in a way that's different enough that you, you don't have to worry about busy work too much. But there are some that require so specific a, a timing that it can be a bit fraught in right. and 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 the logic of it doesn't quite make sense to you as the player even though in the game I kind of get why they do it mm. uh, like you need a certain you need a certain character to hear a certain thing at a certain point or otherwise that that kind of like they won't be programmed to move if you if you miss mm. it by like a minute that sort of thing so it's like um getting ahead around that can be a bit of a pain but I've only had really one instance of that and, and many kind of eureka moments of that was actually a very cool puzzle. That, um, and oh, the cool. way that locked together was uh, extremely satisfying. Why is it called the Sexy Brutal? I think that's the name of the the, the masked ball that they, they run every oh, year. They all wear these kind of like, I guess slightly, uh, I'm trying to think what the, the way to describe it. I guess like, yeah, like, you know, uh, a, li- <laughs> a little bit of... Uh, What's that Kubrick film? His last, his last film, a wise, wide shut kind of like mm. weird mask, but it's not that sort of sexy or, you know traumatizing it's uh, <laughs> it's uh it's very uh, yeah it's 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 uh just a kind of like a neat theme for the whole whole event like um mm. because it's counting down on the day like there's a the, the proper event kicks off at seven each day and so you're always counting down to that and you're seeing the characters move around the guest quarters and around the house doing different things throughout the day mm. and um and because it's all set in one environment the next character you save you might see just walking past uh, on their way to do something else. And only later will you really learn what their deal is. So mm. actually exploring that house and, um, and connecting all of those stories is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. That's a really smart take on the kind of the routine game, which Hitman, Hitman. Yeah. I was going to say Hitman, like yeah. backwards Hitman is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really clever way of letting you having that top down view and being able to kind of burrow into people's lives separately is the thing that Hitman really lacks, isn't it? You, mm. Hitman is a game about learning trajectories and timings in the, in the a purely mechanical groundhog day sense. Whereas mm-hmm. it sounds like this has more of a kind of social narrative texture to it that elevates. I would it. totally play the game that was about r- moving objects around in a hitman level to stop <laughs> yeah. agent 47 from doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like rearranging guard paths. Like saying, you look at this door and just look at this door. Don't walk up and down. <laughs> Don't look out the window for a bit. Just look here and then figure out exactly how you can break it 
the other so way. In this particular building, there is an exploding golf ball. Yeah, I don't throw that in there. the sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I, I, what well, I did think of him, man, while I was playing, actually, that, uh, like you say, that kind of puzzle box quality of hmm. the way things fit together, and and yeah, and then the kind of timings of characters locations and, and such like that yeah that it definitely evokes that and so it doesn't quite feel like any any other any other puzzle game around really mm. and uh yeah yeah i i i very much recommend it yeah i'll 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 finish the whole thing and uh yeah for sure like it's it's yeah satisfying seeing all of those things locked together and also the solutions i tend to stumble across and rather than actually kind of solve uh you know dead on which is actually a more satisfying way of playing the game there's a sense that you can feel a bit hopeless at the start of a run because you're like, I have no idea how these things fit together and I don't see any way this will possibly make sense. And then you realize by seeing a character do a specific thing at a specific time, oh, there might be a secret entrance in this house that you weren't aware of. And mm. because your character now knows that entrance, that's good. Also, each time you save a character, they drop their mask and you can pick that up and put it on and that gives you different abilities. So um on the next run, you might have better hearing, which means if someone like is typing in like a... a it's muttering a safe code to them, a safe uh, code to themselves. You can hear that, whereas on a previous playthrough you couldn't. Huh. So you're 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 kind of yeah, you're slowly being upgraded as well. And they're quite quite out there upgrades. Like one mm. of them is you can see the ghosts in the house and interact with them, and suddenly there's a bunch more characters dotted around for you to talk to. And that does sound great. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It really, it's huh. really good, <laughs> really impressive for sure. Because it came out a little a while ago, didn't yeah. it? Mm, April, I think. I saw people talking about it, but then couldn't. Didn't look past the name Sexy Brutal. I was very engaged by the name Sexy Brutal, but then did nothing for no reason. <laughs> we both failed, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> PC game is Tony Ellis at the time. Just uh, just uh, sighed so much at that name. It's like, <laughs> oh, why is it called that? And yeah. uh, I take his point, but it does. It, it, it's does it What's the sorry? Does it earn it? Um, uh, I don't. Not really. But I suppose it's kind of. It it's a, it's a, it's a, a little nice... bit sexy. Not really. But is, it, 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 is it brutal, but in a French way? It's. But yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, One out of two ain't it's, bad. Yeah, it's yeah, brutal in ornate environments mm. with uh, yeah, nice costumes. Mm. So yes, I'm in. Yeah, very good, very good. Excellent. Wow, mm. that sounds rad. What have you been up to, Tom? Uh, I've actually been playing uh, GTA Online with Sam. Because huh. this weekend we finished the final heist <gasps> and uh, a, 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 an adventure that took us two grueling years. <laughs> I never finished that adventure. Mm. my we lost friends along the way yeah god i i like christ we all got the same heist tattoos and everything and i haven't <laughs> and then god brendy moved to costa rica rather than finish those heists yeah so. i think most people have this experience because it's very hard to play mm. the heists like the apparatus around the heists around getting people together getting into them getting it all organized is such a faff mm. that it's amazing that anyone has finished them to be honest it requires an immense uh investment from one player as well like mm. uh, so if you're starting uh, starting out in multiplayer no one really starts out with a lot of money in gta online so someone will have to grind in order to get the the you know startup cash essentially for your crime operation huh yeah and the heist's a four player but everyone involved has to have completed a two-player starter heist in order to get access to the rest of it but um, you only get the bonus for doing all of the missions if you complete it with the person you originally completed it with. A completely arbitrary and stupid rule that means that makes it even harder to keep a crew together and to make sure everyone's rewarded in a way that feels reasonable and fair. Yeah, and because it's a Rockstar game as well, it's badly checkpointed throughout. Yeah, so mm, um, I remember that bit. I did the first two, I think, and there's mm, a lot of that. Yeah. There's it, a lot of classic just 
terrible Rockstar mission design. Just like really basic stuff, like checkpointing after cutscenes, so you don't have to watch the same, you know, inane dialogue over and over and over again. Um, the just incredibly long drives between locations that just pad it out and are, are boring. Like it's more fun with friends, um, but when you're playing with friends, you lose the experiential side of GTA where. As a, when you play it single player, driving from point A to point B is a really atmospheric experience because the world is so beautifully made that you could just sort of wallow in it and experience it and put something on the radio and enjoy how beautifully made it is. In GTA Online, because you're playing with friends, it's almost like you just can't get that experience from it because it's just a fun kind of ride-along experience. Mm. So those long, long drives become really, really arduous, especially when you have to repeat them over and over again. Um, so yeah, there's just loads of basic stuff in it that's that's flawed. When it's great, it's incredible though. Like it's it's apparently it sounds like they're an absolute nightmare to design but when you're actually executing the heists um the feeling you do feel like a you're in a crime movie but mm. they've really nailed the fantasy of that of someone having their job and doing it well and telling everyone else on comms that they've locked it down and uh t- sam riding along on a bike and rocketing uh, a helicopter out of the air and everyone sees it and goes whoa that's awesome mm. like proper moments of heroism that, that are really really strong yeah it definitely it definitely provides that and then uh, but for some reason it goes out of its way to make you work for them mm. like um the i think the infrastructure for gta online is terrible like trying to get into the same server is arduous all the time and i found myself getting booted like once an hour no matter what from the multiplayer games mm-hmm. i don't know why that was that doesn't happen to me in any other multiplayer game um it might not be the game it might be my connection or whatever but like um then getting back into the same server having to all drive to the same flat to where we can start the heist having to all then drive to where the mission actually starts that's about 70 percent of your time mm. is spent doing bullshit so i have a question then. yeah so you've answered why it took you guys two years to finish all of these. <laughs> why did you do this? The highs are so... The heist. The heist. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It's worth... It kind of is worth it. Also, we've done four, and you can't not do the fifth one if you've done four. Mm. Like you, you, no, you, you, you can. <laughs> I know you can, but you can't. You know, you've got to inside. It, it, it's because we all knew, first of all, that like one of us had already, Phil Savage from PCG had already spent a lot of money on mm. the heist. So we felt like, I felt like he needed to be repaid somewhat for his pretend money. <laughs> 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 but also it was, um, like, like Tom says, like the, the, they, Rockstar really did save their best mission design for those heists. Mm. Like GTA Online itself seems to have a lot of very bad filler missions that idiots always calling you up on your, phone about it's a very needy game mm. um but like uh the, yeah th- those highs are just the perfect uh kind of blend of the you get the open world and the drama of it and the mm. benefits for having those players in it and like actually good beats and the mission design it's it's yeah it's all there like it's the best of gta if you persevere you yeah. just really have to persevere and and there are stupid mistakes in it like the the checkpointing thing in like this day and age is just that's been solved but like every game you play now checkpoints perfectly and seamlessly and puts you back it knows it's not going to throw you back to the start of the drive you know mm. um and i can't see any technical constraints or a bit of reason why they wouldn't checkpoint it better it just requires a bit more common sense almost mm. it's hard to it's hard to say things like when when i was kicked off of um the server as well the game uh made us do like the actual last the last heist which is in a bank we had to do the whole thing again that that mission again and that take that took a long time mm. and there's no real reason to make the player redo it if they've already proven they can actually raid the bank get the money get out shoot all the cops then get onto some motorcycles and then all they have to do is escape 
Um, the, the, in mission, it will checkpoint you to the bikes, but if you go back in after it's kicked you out, you have to do the whole thing again. Like, it has such a lack of respect for your spare time, and I, I resent that about it, and it might have actually burned me out on going back to it at all after that. Mm. But I was pleased to get it done. A lot of these, there are difficulty spikes as well, where it's pretty much pure chance, where everyone has to take a bike and they have to drive to a certain location. And whether you run into police, get shot, get killed, it's like not really under the player's control at all. Like it's, you could get stuck on a rock as happened in one of our missions where we were driving you know, a mission critical pickup truck to a, a, back to a garage somewhere, went slightly off road and then stopped moving. And it was, it was like a Half-Life 2 physics puzzle, <laughs> like a, a seesaw, a gentle seesaw motion. It was trapped on a tiny rock and, like, and the couldn't shittest be moved. remake of the Italian job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no one in danger. <laughs> no one has any good ideas about how to solve it. Cause like we, like you can't grenade it. It's a mission critical pickup truck. Um, so you just have to, there's, you just have to, there's a moment where you just think, it's just dead. It's gone. Like all did that it, time is wasted. Did it just set on fire or something? And then it just, Could you not have gotten another car and pushed it off? I think it caught fire because by the game logic, <laughs> it, was uh, it, over. Was, it was permanently taking damage, grinding up against this object and eventually you just caught fire. And well, then it them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is just hopeless, isn't it? I mean, these things are going to happen in open world games sometimes, but there, there are so many instances of that type of jankiness in GTA Online. It comes down to like how much of your time is at stake when something like yeah, that happens. Exactly. If it's like so 30 seconds of your time, you're like, way! Mm. And if it's not, you're like, not like that. Well, mm. the, the language we used after we finished it was very much in the realm of thank fuck that's over. Like <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was a real, it really felt like a, th- a thing we lived through, you know? So like from a design <laughs> point of view, my thought about this is that like, I remember because I've done the first two or three heists. I can't remember exactly how many I did. Mm. Each of them felt like a bit of an ordeal of restarts and trying to do it again. Mm. And by the time we finished all of them, I did feel that bond. Like, I did, I did enjoy playing it with that group. It's just that it didn't keep it up because keeping four or five people interested and in going back to the same game mm. with contrary life schedules is hard. Mm. But we were all getting, like, in-game tattoos on our characters to commemorate each heist success. But I'm not sure that any of it would have meant more had we just gotten them all right first time hmm. like I don't, I don't know what role failure plays in that really because it is about the moments where you feel successful yeah and failure isn't actually that interesting in gta because it tends to be either like oh, i got shot sorry or it's like you get busted because the particular kind of combination of events or more often than not you fail a very specific mission rule that you feel like you should be able to improvise around mm. a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's failure states where the problem lies. Yeah. There was like one mission where it will, it will sometimes penalize you for leaving a mission area, for example. Yeah. When you, when I think like this happened where we were in like one, uh, like yard of like these between these tower blocks. And, and what, my idea was to get in a car, drive out and then snipe guys who came in oh, yeah. the, from each side to, basically give my guys I think I know the heist you mean actually yeah and um and the game uh said I left the mission area and it's like well you're an open world game why can't I go over there and do this the way I want to do it like desync the animus Sam (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's it's little things like that where GTA is is an open world game but doesn't quite have that open world mission Mm. design that you you might even get from something like Ghost Recon Wildlands you know and on the same on that same mission I think Sam and I were on the rooftop that the game wanted us to be on um like we couldn't change that plan um and we we flawlessly executed most of um the police force the LA police force um but then i think sam took loads of damage falling off a ladder because the <laughs> controls for getting down a ladder are just i can hit and miss like y- you're better off walking into gunfire than taking on a ladder in GTA online because <laughs> there's you never know what will happen 
Yeah, and like the thing is that now we're now we're da- we're out of the heights. Is that a thing of like what now? And GTA is really a, a racket for buying more vehicles mm. and uh, you know like toys essentially. And like there's not much in the way of interesting stuff to do in the kind of open world sort of like missions you can just pick up on a kind of one off and do. And like um, so uh, Phil bought a uh, like a military base, which is quite cool, but like um. I don't really know what the end game of that is. No. There doesn't seem to be much to do there. I, I started a motorcycle gang called Biker Grove that has just me in it. And it, 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 it <laughs> that is the-, the most Sam Roberts sentence <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like, I think Phil's uh, kind of like the way Phil turned with this was like, I've, I've, I'm playing a virtual midlife crisis where... I have my own biker gang by myself with an expensive bike. And you can imagine in your head that the characters, like uh, wife and kids, have just, you know, taken off. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to buy a two-story m- motorcycle bar where there's a barmaid there. I'm going to pay for all of that. And then like a year later, you're saying, Sandra, please bring the kids back. Like, I've learned my lesson. You know? <laughs> I feel like I'm on that trajectory. Maybe there's an amazing end game for GTA Online. Is, uh... <laughs> yeah. Middle class malaise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Middle aged malaise, yeah. It's really embarrassing because you get these little pictures in your biker gang of like who's doing what. And, like, I've got like four pictures of my enforcer, no one, but then there's me at the top president. And, uh, <laughs> no one else there in this empty biker bar. Um, but I do, I, that's quite a cool thing to do if you can actually get friends and you, yeah, can, all do, you can all go like around in formation and stuff. But again, I don't know what the end game is. It's just endless icons and bell ends calling you on the phone asking mm. you to do stuff. Like, I'm not sure it's that great an online experience, even though the world is obviously amazing. Yeah, it does kind of give me a glimmer of hope for Red Dead Redemption Two online or whatever mm. it, that version it becomes, because like if they can isolate the feeling of riding around with your mates in formation, uh, doing cool stuff without wasting your time, then best game ever. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it feels like there's a sort of GTA Online's in a weird place where it's sort of an unexpected success. So it's expanded exponentially in terms of cosmetic stuff. It is a deep, deep grind, which people find appealing. Um, but it's also got bolted into this quite ambitious co-op game that has its own flaws independent from the flaws of the whole thing. And like, I still, like, when I reviewed GTA on, uh, 5 for PCG, like, online was definitely my favorite part of that game. Mm. Because it felt like you could do all of the fun things and not deal with the story or the characters from the single player that I found so off-putting. But yeah, it's interesting why something that was such a phenomenal world and so much invested in it doesn't quite seem to be as good as it could be in like every different individual thing that it's trying to do. If that makes sense, like yeah, yeah, it's not really the best at anything apart from the world. Mm. I would say, yeah. Mm. And maybe just like co-op mission design, like mm, yeah, it does have its moments. Yeah, it? like there's lots to criticize about it, and lots that does does just waste your time. But like sending a couple of people into a prison with guns and then having to clear it out to allow a couple of other mates who are on comms with you uh, to come in, that type of co-op activity is really exciting and yeah. a bit underexplored. Actually, like a, a whole game of that would be would be amazing. Um, yeah, totally. Or, yeah, or even like, um, Tom, were you there? We did that mission where we had to steal the tank from the military fort and sent mm. about 20 helicopters and other tanks chased us down the highway as yes. we were driving away. That was, well, I mean, we didn't succeed at that, but mm. just the excitement of all as a group running in there and taking this stuff and like getting out of there as a, as a group was so exciting. And mm. like, yeah, I mean, there's no other game that can 
can do that because it's, no. it's Rockstar's world and, and that is the appeal of it, doing it in that world. And there's a bit where we were coming back from like separate parts of the same job that had to be completed simultaneously. We were converging on this, on the, the airplane, on the, on the airstrip, um, but the police were coming in at the same time and there was this a, a, a amazing frantic dash to all get on the plane. And I think Sam was in, were you in a, a helicopter? Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I know that mission. Yeah, yeah. An incredible moment where we we taken off the plane, taking fire from police uh, choppers and from other gunfire. Uh, the wings were on fire. It was about to fucking go. And then you look out of the window, uh, the porthole, and you just see a rocket slam into a police helicopter. And then Sam's chopper just rushed past the window, like an actual action movie <laughs> moment that mm. just sort of dynamically happened in this cooperative mission. Mm. And that moment is, no, like, that is fantastic uh thing that gta online can do that nothing else can do oh yeah you could argue that the only reason that happened is because i was being inadequate as an escort in the first place like if i was spending my time properly i'd be there defending them from from the <laughs> from the takeoff but i, I just arrived incredibly yeah, late fashionably but late. managed to turn that into a that's great the moment that is so that's a hand solo classic right? don't <laughs> yeah, volunteer sure. to take part in the battle you have and just show up at the end and yeah. get a medal <laughs> oh everyone else is dead but you know yeah exactly <laughs> i got my silver <laughs> <laughs> There's that terrifying feeling where, like, you have to, and once that's done, you have to go to, like, a, uh, a cove and parachute out and then land on the same beach. And, like, that was immediately incredibly janky for some reason, like, the, mm. the place where you had to land and be, the fact, and the fear that if one of us had failed to open their parachute or something and died, we might have to do, the, like, the second half of the thing again. Uh, uh, yes, which did happen <laughs> in, uh, in the last heist yes. where you have to drive a motorbike. It's a bit of a spoiler, I guess, but drive a motorbike off Mount Chilia oh, yeah. and then um, activate your parachute. And in my case, um, I jumped off the motorbike, um, which then collided into a cliff. And just the second I pulled my parachute, it exploded against the cliff and the chassis bounced off, hit my character in the head, and then I fell to my death. We <laughs> <laughs> had to repeat the whole... Yes, the entire mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I think I was kicked from the server and we had to do yeah, the whole thing again. Yeah, yeah it was a good time. So yeah. it's light and dark, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. The, the weird thing I found about that whole mode is that, like, because I remember the mission talking about with the plane and the helicopter player at the end... When we did that, and it took us fucking ages, mm. I was the plane guy. And my only job for that entire hour, uh, each run or whatever, however long it took, was to drive in the opposite direction to everyone else at the start. Everyone else went off to get steal a bus and invade a thing or do something like that. I had to go to the airport, get a plane, take off, fly, wait, land, pick them up, take off again, fly them to the drop-off point, drop them off and abandon the plane. <laughs> And he did all of those things so many times. There was almost like there is a kind of pleasure in just being the wing, like literally in that case, the wing guy, right? Like I'm I'm the flying man and I will pick you up and fly off again. Yeah, I mean. But there was that weird sort of like, what am I actually doing with my time thing? Where everyone else is playing a shooter or playing a car combat game or something for a little bit. And I'm just doing this. Yeah. And there's a weird lack of, um, because you don't have very really much perspective. In fact, it's more, some of the missions more than others, but you don't have very much perspective <laughs> on what other people are doing and how difficult it is for them. And because when someone fucks up somewhere else in the mission, that's it over for all of you. There's this weird sense of like having to explain to your friends, like, oh, my half of this is slightly more difficult. So sorry. Yes, we had that. Like I stole the same prison bus about seven times. Phil Phil Savage started to experience genuine despair at having to take the same bus route over and over and over again. Like it's like some sort of punishment, you know, for for trying to play a video game. Yeah. (laughs) So the highs were just about worth it, basically. Yeah. Probably only just, maybe, in hindsight. So I guess my argument would be that, like, thinking about this from a different perspective, it feels like the ideal, or at least you should have the option of picking the difficulty level, understanding GM. 
because like if you play a pen and paper game which is often about groups of people sort of performing elaborate almost often heist style things i think heists actually make very good uh touchstones for mm. uh pen and paper games master kind of work but also rpg design because often like a dungeon run is more interesting if it's thought of as a heist you know with lots of different traps and puzzles and things to overcome rather than as a you know a combat purely a combat encounter or something like that um if you're running that for a role-playing group there's basically no way you're ever going to say okay you failed I'm going to need you to go back to the kobold room and roll again to see if you trick the kobold master into liking your wig or whatever it is that's happening in the game. Like, you always fudge things. You always just say, like, yeah, you got away with that. Hmm. And I'd be interested to play the version of GTA Online's heists with the GM, quote-unquote. Like, I know it'd be difficult to implement, but that goes like, yeah, you basically did that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it like that would be the ideal way of experiencing it, where you get all those amazing rescues and moments and tension and things but there's a safety net that prevents you from ever having to repeat anything and obviously it'll be over in an evening but would that not potentially be desirable yeah it would be because i mean my i think this is um quite a popular game amongst teenagers like my little brother plays it he's 18 now but you know it was until recently more of a teenager yes exactly it's time yeah so um yeah my, i and i i know a few people whose kids play this game and mm. I, I can see why they like it for sure um, but, uh, yeah, like for someone with a full-time job, you would hope that it could really use a fast travel system. And like you say, Chris, maybe a more forgiving kind of like a failure state, I suppose, mm. or at least some kind of, you know, way around that. And to the option to just spawn you next to your teammates instantly when you join a game, like mm, yeah. to make you drive to the apartment of your friend every single time. Terrible. And Terrible. It, the way when you finish a heist, it just dumps you all in random servers. Like it's mm. why? Why would you do that? Why not just put everyone in the same place? Yeah. Why yeah. not just say next heist? Yeah. Come on. You know, like why does it have to disconnect everyone? Like it, it, things it like that, they just either haven't thought of or they can't do. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's frustrating because there's something amazing under under all of that. Mm. It feels like there's a bigger point here about games using your time respectfully or not. Mm. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but it feels like very much taps into that. Like we've all found ourselves with less time to spend uh, frankly i'm amazed you got through all of these heists it, it actually took two years that's the thing it's mm. like what five mission strands yeah mm. yeah but on the less right like would you now commit to the start of that process again no no way i never i might do like one of them uh, thing is you you need three friends and yeah i don't want to do it with a rando a rando calrissian i apologize i that's said okay. that a, that's good <laughs> i like it i uh and but I yeah I I have no desire to the, the organisation it took to the the messages on on uh, Twitter and yeah. emails like it the coordination doesn't make it worth it I don't think uh, not for the experience you get back and certainly now I've I've feel like I've seen all of its tricks as well mm. and I I do want to explore some of these other strands like my my pathetic biker bar and my, <laughs> and um, Phil's military base to see what kind of like interesting mission types that might throw up you know that's mm. a better use of our time and you can kind of just do a one-off and then carry mm. on which is desirable i think destiny has happened since gta 5 came out and that's Jesus. the ultimate has it yeah, yeah 2013 was uh gta 5 on pc, PC? on no. pc that was that was early 2015 yeah so yeah that so came no, after exactly. sorry i feel like i was having a kind of at, moment there yeah so when they actually made the stuff like the standards were different i think so <clears> destiny realizes that okay the reason why it's good for a mission to be 12 minutes long is because you just drop in 
you play it and it, that respects your time. Like there are gradations of investment. You can go up to the raids, which take hours uh, if you want yeah. to, but you, there's always something that will occupy your time. And it's absolutely beautifully easy to get into parties together and to get into chat together and just do it. And that's the reason why like Phil Savage and I have, and you Chris have just played so much Destiny is because yeah, yeah. it respects your time in that way. It gives you the tools to have the experience as fast as possible and then drop it whenever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. And it feels like I used to genuinely see the benefit, maybe this spells something to a bit of a tangent, but I used to genuinely see the benefit of travel time and MMOs and things like that. Like mm-hmm. Destiny obviously gives you a sense that you're moving from place to place, but that's because the loading screens are spaceships. Yeah. Um, like I used to like, and I think do like on principle, the time it takes to get from somewhere to somewhere else in World of Warcraft and the sense of geography that creates, like the sense that you are occupying a real space. And if the moment you add a fast travel system or something like that, it becomes less convincing as a world. I know what you mean. And I actually felt a little bit of that in GTA 4 as well with the cabs. Mm. Like, I ended up using those cabs so much that there were, you know, yeah, yeah. handcrafted streets I just never saw, you know? Yeah, like, you don't travel like that in real life where you just get into a cab, fall asleep, wake up, and you're immediately where you actually hang on. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's... Yeah, like, you're... Actually, a better example, actually, is... Um, it's like the difference between relying entirely on like the london underground to get around london and understanding how to walk from point to point in london and that's what makes you make sense of the city and makes you feel like it's a kind of real connected place and you understand how it all flows together mm. like not that obviously a, the underground is necessarily a fast travel system but it is something that kind of shuts off your perception of what's going on around you and then reinserts you into a place somewhere else basically yes yes it divides the city into very specific regions yeah and you understand how to get thing get to places from your fast travel hubs but not from <laughs> other places places in the world mm. and there's a genuine tangible sort of sensory benefit to, to being able to piece that place together yourself mm. i feel like that's always lost when you give people too much convenience like i can see the argument for less convenience when it comes to creating a more um tangible sense of a place yeah but i think that is incompatible with co-op and having a job like there's some kind of pyramid there like or some sort of like three triangle where you have to pick mm. two you know what i mean like yeah. i mean i mean i enjoyed the traversing of which the witcher 3 which is a beautifully designed open world um but i only enjoyed those journeys once and from that moment onwards i would fast travel absolutely everywhere in the game having gained that kind of loose sense of the layout of the place um and i think like a realism mode if people want it because mm. i uh and then just a fast travel mode for everyone who doesn't have time to deal with that frankly um and it's difficult in mmos as well because like teleporting players around might be tricky if you're trying to manage population in certain areas yeah. and stuff like that. i imagine that the, the the money you get back from a heist versus time commitment is also a consideration like mm. they want you to earn it from the time you put in yeah um, which That's it, true. yeah, just grind it out. Yeah, which I understand they have to do to some extent, but mm. maybe it wouldn't be so bad if the infrastructure and the you know matchmaking was very was excellent, but it's it's way off where mm. it needs to be. I think, and mm. that's the problem. It, I would probably wouldn't mind the journeys if like we we could if it was like Destiny, you just join up uh, and mm. you're Drop there, in. you're it, in the car. Right? Yeah, exactly. But it's it's not, and that's the problem. Mm. It's like mm. it's t- twofold wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> And I do like this game. (laughs) (laughs) But on balance, the worthy journey of two years. (laughs) It was worth it. That that final heist has had its moments for sure. Yeah, I think I'm not sure it's the best heist by a long way. Um, No, the best heist probably was the one with the airplane taking off. And that was uh, it was weirdly low key. The last heist, not always. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Glad we did it. Yeah, for sure. Also, we get a feature out of it. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sweet content. <laughs> Sweet content indeed, Tom. Mm. How about you, Chris? Have you been playing anything? What content um, have you been consuming? So I, boringly, have been also driving around an open world, shooting things with friend, because I can't get out of plunk bag. Player mm. unknowns battlegrounds to repeat. Um, and I appreciate that. I think I'm on the podcast now. I've, I've said most of the things I'm going to say about battlegrounds. It's a, it's super interesting in the way it because it's well it's interesting specifically relevant to the conversation about games quote unquote respecting your time wasting your time because in some some ways it respects your time enormously because it's exactly you know it if you if it takes a long time it's because you were doing well and if it takes no time at all it's because you were doing badly and you can immediately play again there's a stable endpoint to it as well like, yeah you block it, out the time and it's going to be yeah it can be a little bit tricky to block out an evening for because if you say like i've got half an hour i'll play a game of battlegrounds and you die in two minutes you can maybe run again if you die in seven and a half minutes maybe now you have to be circumspect about whether or not you play it again mm. which is a kind of tricky thing because you're like well okay i just died but if my next one is good which i'd like it to be then i'm going to run out of time if that makes sense yeah so because it's a sort of indefinite length and there's definitely a sort of a mounting pressure towards the end of a game particularly with a team that isn't necessarily pleasant and often when failure comes, it can arrive abruptly. Mm. Because it's always different, you don't feel like you're being necessarily reset to the start of a journey. And I think that's what makes it compelling over a sufficient amount of time, a sufficiently long amount of time. But for some reason, like, despite having the desire to uh, branch out and play other things, I find it enormously hard to shake. Like, it's been a long time since a game has got its hooks into me to that extent. Like, just in a sort of easy to play when you want to commit to something and easy to sink into when you don't like that's a really rare combination of things mm. which is you know super cool that it's hit that but but yeah otherwise i've sunk more time into zombie night terror which i still very much like and would recommend but i appreciate that uh, both of those are games that i've that have been spoken about on the podcast multiple times before i appreciate that we're also seems like we're entering a bit of a quiet period to some extent like we're not sort of looking down the barrel of any really big new things until we get into August and like XCOM expansions on the horizon, right? Like there's mm. stuff coming, but it feels like we're in a sort of a lull where the best thing to do is to run around in little Eastern European houses complaining that it's just full of gloves again. <laughs> and all you want is a 4X scope. <laughs> I, uh, I, I guess the next big, Big-ish thing would be um, Pyre from Supergiant, is mm. it? The, um, from the makers of Transistor and Bastion. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, like a new game from them. Trans- nothing else. Their, their stories are well told and their worlds are beautiful. You know, you have that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. And and yeah, like um, I'm really chuffed that, you know, Plunk Bag is the phenomenon it is because I think it's the first game like that to, well, one of the first games like that to really, really earn it and, and make good on all of its different promises. Mm. But yeah, it's just... There's interesting stuff around. I mean, I've been dipping into Worlds Adrift, but I think I'll talk mm. about it on a future pod because it's very hard. To, it's in a very early state, so it's hard to tell whether its systems will ever work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know Alex was impressed by that, but mm. it's... Yeah. That's something we have, like, long-term plans to do a big co-op thing on as well. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect for that. We'll try and get you a code, Chris. Get you on board. Thanks. Mm. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Shall we do questions from questions? Pip's here. Yes. We decided to stop pretending <laughs> that's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, because I came in and had my dinner and had a chat and I don't think it would be fair to pretend that I surprised you all. No, it's a ruse and we're, we're done with it. Mm. We have nothing to replace it with, though. So let's move on to questions. Oh. First question. I put the questions too far behind me, so I have to look too far to see them. Please excuse me a moment. I've accidentally maximized the window. <laughs> this is going well. Enormous and so here's an interesting... This is, this is like when you accidentally put the the um, thing on, on iPlayer or whatever, when it tells you, it does the audio described version, <laughs> so you can hear all of the things, but then it starts reading you things that are happening, and then you're confused, because usually they do it with the voice of the person who's actually in the show as well, so I was very confused when that first happens. Also, it's Netflix, not iPlayer, and it happened with that thing about those people, about the, the sex thing with the people. First grudge of the night. In Thanks for bank. covering for me while I fixed this, Pip, although I admit I spent the first 30 seconds of that staring at you, wondering where this was going. That one with the, the sex Gypsy. people. Gypsy? No. Game of Thrones. The, um, Handmaid's Tale. The three sex people. The th- oh, right. The uh, poly- polyamory people. With a, a new children's show from this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, me, her, or something. Oh, right, yeah. That okay. one. Right, okay. Yeah, because I accidentally I was I was just listening to it while I wa- worked, and then I realised that I'd accidentally switched on audio described, but it was one of the characters from the show also describing what was going on. So I thought that they were doing a concept diary kind of <laughs> format, oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't like. Form. Yeah, like I, I'm not sure about this as like a new direction. <laughs> But it was when she started reading out the credits at the end of the episode that I thought, I think I know what I've done here. Can you cut this out? Absolutely not. <laughs> so that answers a, a question, question that no one asked. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. I think patient zero. Question. <laughs> Questions from the void. <laughs> Our first question comes from Duncan. I can see his writing now while also having my face near a microphone, something that wasn't possible before Pip started talking, <laughs> buying me the time I needed. Thanks. In many ways, she's the hero this podcast deserved. Three years have passed since then. <laughs> Hail the great crow, comma, bar. Go okay. raise your game. I'm a sorry. good game is a game... Where you can dual wield shields. A bad game is a game where you lose ammo when you reload. What are the quickest ways to and from your heart? Duncan. That was some great beat poetry. Enjoyed that. It was beautiful. The rhythm. Yeah, it feels like a a little bit like a a question that was written by tapping autocomplete. But I completely (laughs) get what he means. Hummingbirds. Mm. Good answer. Uh, if you are answering this question and not just saying the word hummingbirds. <laughs> Is this still, are we still on the Netflix audio description thing? No, because we don't get hummingbirds in the UK. Everyone in America is always surprised when I explain that to them. And then they're like, but what do you do for hummingbirds? And I was like, well, we don't because <laughs> we don't have them. Um, anyway, so if there is like an actual hummingbird in a game, that is a plus point, I would say. And then... If it is a game about E.G. through, I will be angry. <laughs> I think the answer to the question is the aorta. 
but this is GCSE biology oh. failing me. <laughs> so the aorta and the vena cava. Vena cava. One or the other. Waka, You've got waka. a choice. <laughs> I don't understand the question, so what I know no, it's, it's, a, what the, the, it's, a, it's an easy question. It's not just like a beat poem. Um, it's what specific things will thrill war- you. Th- warm right. you to a game regardless of everything else it does. Good shotguns. So, yeah, so in this example, mm, okay. it's dual-wielding shields or dual-shielding. Um, or the other thing he said, losing ammo when you reload mm. is, a, is a way out of your heart. Like a good active reload will, will really trigger the endorphins, I feel. If <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm being honest, like a, really kind of hitting that, that moment and then getting a good sound effect. and Oh, that'll, that'll do it for me every time, I, I feel. So I don't know if that's my heart, but it's certainly my body. <laughs> There's a, there's a sort of Norfolk radio station that's desperately missing you as a games correspondent, Sam. I sort of just, uh, I, I kind of, I, I was as sincere as, as I could possibly be there. Mm. Uh, alternatively, cheese, you know. Mm. Um, what games do have hummingbirds in them? Isn't there a... Uh... Walden. Okay. Which was a great source of consternation because it also revolves around Thoreau. So okay. that is, that was quite the emotional journey um, that I went on with that game involving a certain amount of stamping around the house, shouting my grievances against Thoreau. You say stamping around the house, shouting. You mean stamping towards Chris, shouting. <laughs> Following Chris, shouting. <laughs> Doesn't well, matter where Chris is going, shouting. Look. I hate Walden, he bellowed. And Thoreau. And maybe be this and that's a successful evocation of how much i hate this in which case do i like it and so on but then i spent more time with it and then there was a hummingbird and then it seemed to be slightly snarky about through so i don't know if i was reading my own emotions into that or whether it was actually being snarky so i need to play a bit more and also hummingbirds and also irises but then he was really snippy about irises and i was like what is your problem i like them like stop narrating this in an awful way it was worse than the audio described version it was just him having opinions about plants i was like oh god i've got opinions about plants and i'm not allowed to have a go at you with them awful so the game we're discussing is walden (laughs) (laughs) right which admittedly it's a game about Thoreau and his opinions about things that he wrote down but in the book Walden. Walden yes yes but I mean he basically goes camping and then tries to write it off as like a great outdoors adventure of like camping is a great outdoors he goes camping in his friend's garden okay and his mum still does his laundry <laughs> you go to her house and pick it up <laughs> so when you talk about the uh the ways the games can enter or exit your heart over the lifetime of playing. You've made a lot of headway in that, in that particular direction this week, haven't you? Well, I mean, it, it was, it sort of averaged at hovering near, maybe. I don't know. In the manner of? Or like plunging into and then out of. Like, it was like being stabbed. By a hummingbird? No. So hang on, the hovering near wasn't a hummingbird reference. Wait, what? No. I just (laughs) meant, like, right. So you know when you've got an egg? (laughs) I'm I'm reaching for my third punk IPA. (laughs) And here is Tom opening. I was was so worried that we had such an efficient first half. (laughs) It's my problem. I'm sorry. 
Great. 45 minutes would be ideal, Chris said. <laughs> 43 minutes it came in. <laughs> we are now entering minute 46 of the hummingbird conversation. Response to a question that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it did make sense, Tom. Right, okay. You just had to open your mind to it. My mind is too closed and my heart is too closed, so nothing gets in or out of it very quickly. So, the egg. <laughs> Take us back to the egg. We're in a bit of a season three Twin Peaks kind of place with this question now, aren't we? There's a thing that you can do with an egg in water and possibly oil or maybe salt where you have... You tell him it's gone off. You've broken Sam. No. So it... Well... In one situation it floats, it's and in one situation it sinks, right. and you somehow mix them together or layer them or something. Aww. I can't remember the specifics. I'll look them up later if anyone cares. But you do it in such a way that the egg seems to hover in the middle of the water, in the middle of the fluid. It's like suspended. And that was the point that I was getting at with the hovering, because it's like the idea was a thing would enter your heart or exit your heart. But this is kind of like hovering on the periphery of the heart because it's like it's it's being pulled in two different directions. It's like, isn't that scene in Blade Runner when he yeah, reaches I, in and grabs it <laughs> boiling water? Are, are you Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now? <laughs> right, because of all of my egg research, I have never watched Blade Runner. You need to know, see the scene, Pip. Because I know uh, that people do a lot of crying on Orion and something about shoulders and there's a gate. Crying on the shoulders of Orion, your understanding friend. <laughs> what a good pal. Everyone's always Ryan. there for you. There's lasers. Not the Ryan, the any, any Ryan will do. Tannhauser Gate. Sennheiser Gate. Sennheiser Gate. Sennheiser Gate. No, but there's a gate, right? CBB's on fire. <laughs> There's a laser and a gate, right? Yes, Is yeah. there not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How it's rain. We... It's raining. There are ten houses in the gate, and then something happens. Right, the Hauser brothers like, are at no, your gate. No, Orion thinks it's ra- it's crying, but it's really raining or something. <laughs> I don't understand this. Okay, anyway, we've got so many questions. <laughs> And I think Shall we, move we on? sort of took this one and like we fed could... it into a kaleidoscope. <laughs> we could move on. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't bring us back to the egg. I just put it up there. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, Pip. Hmm. I'm so sorry. Shall I leave again? I can No, go. no, 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 no. <laughs> How efficient did we need to be? Uh, it's too late for that now. <laughs> <laughs> that dream has died. Yeah. Um, Zed writes... I watched Matt Lees' Breath of the Wild video. What makes a good map in the game? And Pip, don't say, an egg suspended between two states forever. Uh, it didn't write that. <laughs> that wouldn't be relevant here. <laughs> um, kind of wonder if game maps would be better if they didn't show your position. Zed. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ali's um, Cool Ghost did a good video on Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda which has a very good map, which is somewhat like a real map, except in the ways that it isn't. But a little bit, it is. Um, what is a good map, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? I've been somewhat thrown. There's uh, the latest update to The Long Dark added some nice map functionality because previously I think you couldn't actually map out where you'd been, but now um, you can take charcoal out of uh, fires that you've 
lit and used um and if you're holding it and you are on a particular point of land you can then press the button to map out what you can see around you so it generates you know a a local map on a piece of paper and it starts to piece them together depending Mm. on where you then choose to start surveying from which is kind of cool i like that cool guild wars 2 has an astonishing map lovely really beautifully kind of painted there's a whole kind of uh painterly aesthetics the game that exists in is kind of character class art and it, um it's drawn directly from its incredible concept art and that makes it through to that world map which is both incredibly clear and incredibly beautiful at the same time am i um am i right in thinking that don't starve has a map where it will show you like which animal is in which region so it kind of encourages you to go there if you're looking for a specific creature i'm pretty mm. certain it does huh. that's mm. a cool that's a cool thing like a thing that provokes you to go exploring that is you know that would otherwise be a device of a map maybe if you're looking for a specific yeah the far cry games have taken that on board as well and they have a little a little picture of a bison if you need to take its skin and turn it into a bag or something Mm. (laughs) handy video games but a good zoom function as well Mm. like um i uh the map in deadly premonition doesn't let you zoom out nearly far enough so you're basically just constantly moving around trying to find where the hell you're going and i don't i don't see why they couldn't do that <laughs> other than it was some kind of like everything in that game has to be at least partially shit <laughs> to, to, to you know maintain their cult appeal <laughs> say, where would you put that on the list of priorities of things to fix though i mean really though <laughs> yeah i mean let's do resolution options and do yeah or the yeah. final boss fight not bugging out hopelessly you know that would be a nice one <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh hollow knight makes you buy an upgrade to your map that shows you where you are on the map. Huh, which is, cool. uh, um, so you can go choose to ignore it and play it that way. There was, um, there was a cool uh, indie game which was just a free thing on Itch.io where you have like a little um, island that you're on. It's tiny and you can just walk around it. But it then has a tool where you can bring up a map and then just draw out where you you've come from and so um we did like a little competitive map drawing competition at rps and just me brendan and alice just walked around the island and tried to do our own little representation of it and that was quite cool because you know people would try and do things differently or sort of see things differently and that was nice so i like that firewatch has got a nice little map Mm. chunky map quite does quite a good job of masking the fact that that game is a lot of corridors by showing you the giving you the context of the world that they couldn't realistically have done given the time scale and the budget of that game quite effective bit of sort of smoke and mirrors there's a game called oh i think it's called oh it's something oh i can't remember um and that's a game about the experience of orienteering and so it just gives you different spaces to then navigate between the different flags and try and figure out where you are and you've got a map that you can bring up and hold in front of you and you've got like a compass and things like that so that's more on the actual faithful mapping side of things and then you're using that to figure out where you are rather than being shown Mm. so that's kind of that's really cool Mm. good maps Mm. Next question comes from Scoo, who writes a short tweet tweet question that he's trying to truncate into one word in a way that's hard to say. Thanks, Scoo. For Samuel, do you think Blitzball could be the next big esport only if given the chance? If only given the chance. Definitely not. No. Excellent. 100%. 
<laughs> uh, shall I explain any more context there? That is a mini game from Final Fantasy X, but it's basically like underwater RPG football, mm. but it's single player, so. I mean, and every right minded person hates it and thinks it's awful and gates progress in the game. I think that's a fair criticism. <laughs> but I quite enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Now fight. <laughs> Can Triple Triad be the next esport, though? If, it, if it, they introduce a multiplayer mode? That probably would work, actually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't see why. I mean, I think a version of it already exists, actually, on um, mobile. And there is actually, like, an online competitive version that the fans made, I think, as well. Hmm. 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 Yes. Hmm. But the answer is still no. <laughs> <laughs> Bim writes, Dear Diorite Coffer and Adamantine Pick, as a follow-up to recent questions on mobile and dip-in games, I've recently replaced a lot of my mobile gaming with the antithesis to modern bright and bubbly mobile games, Dwarf Fortress. There's an app that lets you hook it up on a server and play remotely on iPhone slash iPad. It's a really comfortable way to play the game. Now, rather than looking after a carp pond or helping children adventure across the land through the medium of Match 3 Cake, I'm overseeing a fort of alcoholic dwarves in their attempts to carve out a nice mountain home while holding off swarms of Kia and Crundles. It's fitted nicely into that blissful productivity loop that I enjoyed about mobile games, but without the hard stop of monetization barriers or clicker timeouts. I wasn't expecting Dwarf Fortress to work on mobile, it's still got a steep learning curve and an interesting UI, but it's been nice to dip in to check on my dwarves and what the hell they're doing this time on the train home from work. So, question, are any other games you'd like to be able to play on mobile? Are there any other games that you'd like to be able to play on mobile that were never intended for it? Dwarfishly yours, Bim. Uh, so, there are there are plenty, I think. Mm. Um, but, like, uh, a lot of kind of recent sort of visual novel games that um, mm. are on, like, PS Vita, for example, and PC, but not necessarily mobile. Mm. The likes of Danganronpa mm. and such. Yeah. Um, or uh, what was Christine Love's last game? Uh, um, not had to fall. Uh, uh, in a bind. Yeah, Lady, Lady, Lady bind. Killer in a bind. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's on mobile. Well, I might be wrong, but like so. um, hmm. something like that would be uh, be lovely to have on mobile. Yeah. There's um. This is a good point about Dwarf Fortress, though. It's a kind of cool thing that works because I'd love to see more. I'd love to see more kind of dedicated building and managing a thing games on mobile without the microtransaction structure mm. that admittedly they fit very naturally into mm. but you know honestly paying 15 quid or whatever for a version of uh like dungeon keeper or something like that with none of the those mm. trappings would be ace I like um how you can get the uh uh infinity engine enhanced editions on mm. um ipad and stuff that's uh that's kind of perfect for that that's Tends to be how I play mobile games is on an iPad, actually. Mm. Um, so it's cool seeing that kind of game make the journey over. I think it's one of the Turtle War games you can play. There on, is Rome. Uh, yeah. They made really? Rome for mobile. Yeah. What? So yeah. Apparently yeah. Really good as well. Legit works, yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> Try that, everyone. It's good. That solves playing journeys huh. forever. I was about to say, when I was just fishing through my mind for like a hmm. game that I'd seen its full form on mobile, I was about to say a Turtle War game, and then I thought, no, that's stupid, Chris. That's an idiot. <laughs> they they did it. a stupid man. They went and did it. My love, God. I love the idea of um, a mobile game being like a fishbowl that you kind of revisit, which is what was uh, mm. described here. And that idea that um, it's almost like a social simulation. Like you could make a version of The Sims where your Sims were like really autonomous. And you just kind of went back in to see what was happening. Like mm. Kind of ongoing love island. I kind of situation. returned to the concept of a virtual pet there. Yeah. Like that's all the Tamagotchi is. I think, I or think. Big th- Brother. 
Yeah, somewhere between Tamagotchi yeah, and Big Brother. Big Brother. I think like the Tamagotchi idea is kind of under, like it deserves revisiting in the mobile age, and maybe people have. Obviously, I mean, like, it's a I'm sure they have number of yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, but um, particularly with like a social, from a social angle, like actually making a game about people and what they get up to, like that would be kind of cool. Mm. Or I guess you just watch Love Island, <laughs> get your fix that way. I don't know. I'm very pro the hard stop of monetization because that's the thing that stops me from playing these things until four in the morning because mm. like i will just burn through my current lives on a game not want to pay however many quid for a new set and then just be like right that's it for the evening you know that's my i i have a treat of those lives or i have a break from real work mm. and do that and then but it's it's definitely like i i can spin it out by being a bit better or getting a bit luckier but i don't like the idea that i would have to trust my own mm. ability to stop playing yeah fair enough i don't really play many mobile games uh, like that anyway pip what sort of stuff do you play um at the moment i play quite a lot of gardenscapes which is essentially you have a fancy house and a butler and the butler is uh, having to do all of these tasks to repair all of the grounds of your house and you go through them gradually and each match three thing you earn um like coins and things from um and also stars and it's the stars that are the currency that you use to get him to do different things like clearing up an area or tiling it or you know laying particular flower beds and things like that and you just sort of gradually work your way out from the house and get you know just nice little slightly personalized areas but it hinges around just a regular match three kind of game um and there's also abyssrium which i think we've talked about before which is now i think tap tap fish um and it's just a fish bowl and you look at the fish and you can tap on the fish and you earn money and can buy more things for your aquarium and things but it's i have got to the point with that where i have so much stuff that it's more that i'll open it up every time that there's a seasonal event to get that stuff but i just quite like swapping the um the water color and the um the coral colors and things and different types of fish in and out just to have I, it's kind of like this weird interior design thing, but for fish. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, like those things. And also I play the, I still play the League of Legends uh, mobile game that they put out. It's Blitzcrank's Poro Roundup. Thing. And the Poros are these, the, the little um, pom-pom looking creatures that live on one of the maps in the game. And... Um, Essentially, it's about one of the characters using his little claw thing to run along behind them and pick them up before they get eaten by the Baron that's like coming in behind them all. So it's just a side-scrolling kind of collection thing. But it's actually quite compelling. I quite like it. <laughs> but yeah, so those are the three. Mm. Cool. Good. My next question comes from Daniel, who writes, Dear CNC, thank you so much for the great podcast. Your discussion last week about esports was both long and great. I work at a Danish TV network, and your chat about the accessibility and communications in esport coverage got me thinking. 
I do not think this is a specific problem for esports, but more of an inherent problem in all rule-based sports or games. In conventional sports, there are both easy-to-decipher activities, such as badminton and soccer, where a layman is able to pick up the gist of what is happening very easily, and then there are the arcane ones, such as cricket or American football, where the activities on the field, to the untrained eye, are completely absurd. None of this really matters to what drives all money in modern sports, which is direct marketing. It does not matter how exclusive the game is if there is a large enough, quite homogenous audience to make commercials for. This is what has driven all money in sports in modern time, and I feel like esports is a great continuation of this, given that the audience are all indeed large and, unfortunately, extremely homogenous. This is the perfect way to present ads that sell products, and as such, you should not really be worried esports will definitely grow. They have potential to be even more lucrative for ad agencies and the whole distribution network. As a side note, I really agree with Pip that the best way for a newcomer to enjoy esports is with knowledgeable friends on a couch, just as with physical sports. Sorry for the wall of text, and thank you once again for one of my favourite pods. Best regards, Daniel the Dane. Just thought that was a good point. Hmm. Statement from statements. Yeah, I think I wasn't, uh, when I was talking about it not growing, I wasn't really talking about, like, the um, targeted direct marketing stuff that hinges around demographics and finds that stuff useful it was more that idea of people just throwing money at esports expecting a return without <laughs> understanding quite what it was yeah for I sure think. and like the fact that i get a lot of press releases that just sort of say we're holding a thirty thousand dollar launch tournament for our multiplayer game it's an esport now and you're kind of like <laughs> that is the noise you make <laughs> That's why I'm not allowed in the office anymore. <laughs> Just like a high-pitched noise. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> Probably the, the last one. <laughs> but no, it's a good point. And um, yeah, I agree. I think there's an element of... I don't think esports are in commercial danger, but I think a lot of their aspirations to... or attachment of importance to sort of widespread mainstream get your mates involved acceptance is possibly misguided. I think it was probably me that did say on the last podcast that Maybe this is the reason that esports would never be a big thing. And I fully accept that's probably a stupid thing to say. Said by an idiot. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> that's the end. That's Chris's last <laughs> comment on the pod. He's leaving now. <laughs> no. <coughs> Next thing comes from Tom, a, a nice man who I've met on several occasions and played board games with. Tom Francis? No. Okay. A different Tom. Interesting. Not Tom Senior. He's there. We know many Toms. We know a lot of Toms. That's true. He writes, I just walked down a street and the numbers were 64k, 128k, 256k, 512k and one megabyte. It was like walking down memory lane. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. No love for dad. <laughs> Well, yes, love for dad. <laughs> it's good enough to read out. Yeah. That's the thing that makes this a question. <laughs> Very good. More jokes, please. Jokes from jokes. Yes, send us more jokes. Definitely do that. Mm. Kingsley writes. Dear decadent PC gaming bourgeoisie and oppressed console gaming underclass, 
I've recently been having to spend quite a lot of time away from home for work, and so not wanting to have no way of gaming in the evenings, I've bought a PS4. And frankly, I'd like some credit there for reading that entire sentence without without a hiccup. Credit granted. Thanks, Tom. What will you spend your credit on? I don't think it's that kind of credit. Okay, fine. Move Ray on. of Light by Madonna. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> nice. I don't know what I would do without either of you. <laughs> Is that what you'd buy? Uh, I was just thinking if I had five pounds, then I'd probably try and buy a, a kind of banger of a 90s pop album. <laughs> nice! And that is a great album. Yeah, I was, I was, I was in an argument the other day with my girlfriend about what is the best Madonna album. And that was my suggestion. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh, interesting. It's a bit, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, uh, anyway. <laughs> the rest of the question. I believe the question was, what is the best Madonna album? (laughs) As a group of PC gamers who are also in play on PlayStation, I wondered if there were any games you'd recommend my trying out during my holiday in console land. I already have Bloodborne and The Last of Us, so I was hoping you could point me in the way of some smaller games that might not not yet have made their way over to the PC. Holiday was amazing. Thanks for reading, everybody. And also, what's the best Madonna album? Kingsley. (laughs) I'm just going to say Holiday was a Madonna song. It was, yeah. Mm. Uh, So um, he says smaller games, I realise now. And like, um, I I was thinking along the lines of Uncharted 4, which is very good. Or indeed the Uncharted collection. Yes. Um, Which is also very good. The whole series is great fun. Um, And uh, then, of course, if you like Bloodborne, Nio. Uh, which is by Team Ninja, I want to say. Um, is it? I, th- I think yeah. maybe yes. Yeah. I think it is, okay. yeah. yeah. Not Ninja Theory, though. They, um, That's right, DMC yeah. Guys. That's what I always get uh, stuff. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, but in terms of smaller games, um, not many of them tend to stay on PS4. Like Everybody's came to the ra- uh, gone to the Rapture. Yeah, to PC. PC first. Well, no, it was actually. That was an exclusivity deal for that, wasn't it? Mm. And I think Galaxy might have had something like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, smaller games... PC is amazing. Like, that's where they live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is specifically from someone saying they could have access to the PC. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'd recommend Yakuza 0 as well. Mm. It's, it's not a small game. It's like a, you know, you're going to get a lot of hours out of it, but it feels like more of a, um, just a, a zany, more, it's quite an indie spirit to Yakuza. It's kind of odd. Mm. Yeah. There's like a lot of the best indie games on PS4 or so on PC, but that means that yeah. it is a good opportunity to catch up on things you didn't play them on PC, mm. like Titan Souls or Hyperlight Drifter or Edith Finch, Edith Finch mm. or Everyone's Where, Gone to the Rapture or. Where's the PlayStation 4 at in terms of in the living room backwards compatibility? <laughs> Why well, isn't there one like up here? Yeah, there's one in here right. as well. Anyway, um, isn't like what what is it like on that front like could you play something like katamari or something or is that limited ps now is what you're going to use there isn't it which is kind of a stream lets you stream old games mm. but i'm not sure its catalog is that broad um i think well, they're slowly adding to it if you're traveling as well relies on a good internet connection which you might not have yeah but um because the ps2 had some amazing games so did mm. ps3 mm. so if if there is that it might mm. be well worth like going back through some older kind of classics and cherry picking yeah a slightly weirder choice which i think is on ps4 as well is uh rockstar's the warriors <laughs> um adaptation which i believe is on ps4 as well but like um that's a really uh good uh sort of like beat up that expands the universe of that film in 
quite successful ways. Huh. Really, uh, yeah, good fun. Not on PC. Awesome. Good suggestions. Mm. Our next, <clears throat> sorry, next question comes from Grizzly, who writes, I have a recommendation for the second and last Sam in the question round of the last podcast, if I may. <clears throat> I just need to take a small drink because my voice is going. Audio gold. Sam, I heartily encourage you to try anything made by Inkle as a mobile game, Sorcery in 80 Days, for example, as they are choose-your-own-adventure books with very short sequences that nonetheless come to a cohesive whole. I found them to be far more effective than, say, Bejeweled in driving away the feeling of emptiness that comes from commuting in an empty bus. It's available on iOS, Android, and PC. Cool Ghosts did a video on 80 Days. And if I'm allowed to plug Cool Ghosts, is another good way to stay up to date with things that what happen in games via the medium of video. I would also like to retract my earlier grudge regarding Battlefield and players not using the support functions every class gets by default. Battlefield 1 in particular has been doing more and more to highlight support players and squads of people who work well together, which to me, as someone whose solution to any problem is to throw a medkit at it, is a lovely feat. This deserves praise rather than a grumpy grudge. Kind regards, Grizzly. Was that grudge one that we didn't accept? I don't think we did. Was it, because was it the one where it sounded a bit like it might be that whoever, that Grizzly was saying they objected to other people not playing support but didn't want to themselves i don't think so but i don't but remember maybe it was someone else in which case i am terribly sorry for slandering mm. your good name um <laughs> <laughs> so you should be <laughs> well i mean you know it's as well to cover your bases um but yes okay no that sounds good anything that highlights supports is good and maybe maybe this is now my time to join battlefield <laughs> Also a good suggestion, re-80 days and mm. uh, the other one. Yes, I'm not sure if this came up, but like Reigns is very good, mobile, mm. uh, story-based oh, yeah, game. sort of Tinder meets Crusader Kings, wasn't it? That they yeah. tried to <laughs> market it as. It sort of is, Because yeah. it's like you swipe, don't you, for each decision. Yes, then you kind of like play successive generations, which I guess is very CK2. But like, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, the, the writing is very fun and uh, you can, yeah, you could run through a, like an entire lifetime of a king and about 10 minutes maybe less maybe even like five depending on how badly you play it's a solid time to king mm, yes mm. I've, I've played that more than any mobile game i really strongly recommend that oh, awesome. good suggestion sam mm. our next question comes from Stephen, who writes dear crops of crab apples i've never played a fighting game in my life but recently i was in the mood to play something outside of my usual rpg slash fps comfort zone and ended up purchasing Tekken 7. I'm enjoying the single-player elements, but I'd also like to try the multiplayer and see if I can make some inroads in the colossal fighting game community. What stories do you have about getting into a genre you never tried before? Also, do you have any handy tips for fighting game noobs? Much appreciated, Stephen. I, uh, on the fighting game noobs thing, like, there's, uh, it seems to be quite a good trend of, like, uh, solid single-player options in fighting games now. So if you are bad at competitive fighting games like I am, you can enjoy the likes of Injustice Gods Among Us on PC, which has a very silly um, Batman fight Superman uh, 
story mode. Aquaman is there and he's brought crabs. <laughs> yes. Every cutscene <laughs> is basically your mum and then a showdown uh, between two associated characters um, in very contrived circumstances. But like, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's lightly <laughs> enjoyable. And then yes, there are some crabs. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, if, if you're, if you're put off by the competitive side of things, you can always pick up some mm. cheap fine games with good single player options. Like yeah. That. Those nether realm beat em ups are all good. Um, Mortal Kombat's supposed to be alright. Yeah, if you don't mind the horrendous violence, <laughs> which I enjoy. Yeah, I find it a little bit gross, personally. It is quite yeah. gross, actually. Mm. I mm. wonder whether watching something like Evo is like just is quite sort of. This was a very good Evo. Like, because that was this weekend, just yeah. gone, and so I, I don't know whether it's the sort of thing where it's so far beyond the ken of mere mortals. <laughs> good that... pun. Good pun. Oh, was it? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so is there a person called Ken? Y- yes. <laughs> Good. Right. <laughs> oh, there is, isn't there? Yeah. Ryu and Ken and um, others. <laughs> Many others. <laughs> yeah. Drawing a blanker. No. Tom. We're not going back I'm to already in joke jail. I might as well keep going. Who's the... Chun-Li. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All M. of the Bison. names. No, Miss Captain Bison. Captain Bison. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. M Bison. My Major Bison. Monsieur Bison. Monsieur le Bison. Anyway, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just. I I don't know whether it's stuff that is so far beyond. Because wasn't the question like, how do you like? Are there tips for getting into multiplayer? Right. Well, there's there's two parts to this question. The right. first part was what are your personal experiences of getting into a genre you were unfamiliar with, and the second part of this question is what tips do you have for someone getting into fighting games but like for multiplayer specifically right they presumably were yes of, well they were thinking of getting into multiplayer yes so i, I don't so. but i guess where i'm going with this is given that evo just happened and there was like a wave of sort of excitement and enthusiasm around that as yeah. there always is Hype, i don't say. know whether yes <laughs> i don't know whether there was it, it that would be a nice thing to actually just sit down and watch in a kind of to galvanize you if you aren't great at the moment and to be like okay but this is stuff that maybe i could do or okay these are useful tips or whether it's just a case of (laughs) how the hell does anyone do that or like the timings are just so far beyond i think it's helpful regardless of your skill level to know a bit about what good play looks like even if you can't replicate it yet Mm. because i mean trying to replicate it exactly will probably create more problems than it will solve but you have a sense of like, at least at a very broad level, what sort of things are good practice in a game of whatever it is you're playing and what things aren't mm. simply from watching the pro players and what they do and don't do. That takes a kind of attentive eye and it gets easier to watch them as you get better at the game. So it is a, a chicken and endlessly suspended egg uh, relationship. But also, if you are trying to get into multiplayer, don't, for example, play with someone who later tells you that he spent the best part of a year getting really good at that game and playing it with two other people who were also really good at that game. And that is why he is hounding you your ass on a regular basis as you desperately try to get to grips with the thing for the first time, for example. Grudge book? Injustice Gods Amongst Us has several chapters. What about the other part of the question then? The uh, getting into new genres. Yeah, personally, um, like your stories of personally getting into a new genre. Well, that was my story. You crushed my dreams! I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't hide it from you that I'd played Injustice Gods Among Us before. It 
didn't come out until a few games in. You well, suddenly went, oh, by the way, I used to play this with Tom Senior. We did used to Every play. evening. We did. For yeah, a good. while, we had a bit yeah. of a time. Right. But that did not come up. That was not the first thing you said. You just sort of said, do you want to play this with me? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if it necessarily be expected. That's like being say. hustled at pool. Okay. But everyone knows that's a cool thing to do. What, hustling? Yes. There was no money involved. Oh. It was just making me feel sad. But I won, though. <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting into a new genre. I tend Thoughts? to... I actually, uh, sadly, I was cataloguing all of my human life experiences then, and I realised that I do just do the same things over and over again. Damn. With very few exceptions. Sam's new genre. <laughs> Despair. <laughs> it's called having a niche. Yeah, I suppose so. But it's it's, it's fairly broad. But like, mm. I suppose like, I, I, the kind of things I'll play that I don't normally play will be one-offs, like playing everything, for example. A game I don't really get a lot out of, but kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, try to engage with over the course of about five hours. But like, yeah, ultimately felt nothing and deleted it off my hard drive. Um, you felt nothing about everything. The game. That's quite bleak. Well, I, 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 I felt nothing the game about everything the game. There's the initial novelty of you pull out and things, you know, things that were small are, sorry, things that are now big are now small. Are you listening to what you're just saying? It's very warm in this room. <laughs> I haven't drank water for at least two hours. Yeah, it's very hot in here. Um, so yes, um, allow me to go back to that. Um, so yes, everything's at an atomic so level, once then you pull out, out, and then yes, <laughs> things are yes, and then eventually it's the entire universe. <laughs> and I have pulled out, and now things are yes, but eventually the universe, <laughs> the Sam Roberts story. Uh, I'll get wow. back to um, the uh, on PC Gamer. We did a feature where uh, Chris tried to teach his Dota. Yeah, two in order. Uh, that was the worst experience ever. Well, I had a great time. <laughs> uh, Pip was on the RPS team, and um, obviously we were on PCG. And um, yes, I think it made most people incredibly sad. It was kind of like that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns hires all the ringers to play softball, <laughs> <laughs> and we were on the other team. <laughs> yeah, pretty if much. If it helps, Alec was very sad at the end of that game. That does he, help. He was upset that Chris kept killing him. I believe. It's job well done. All we had left. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah we, so that that was, uh, in many ways, the ideal entry point. That was like the fucking breakfast club. Like, no one wanted to be there. Mm. and But but only the difference was we lost <laughs> and no one learnt anything. <laughs> like, the teacher won. Did they yeah. ever have breakfast at the breakfast club? It's predominantly about... It's on itself. Netflix now. We can investigate that and report I that. don't think they do, you know. I don't think anyone has breakfast. Another consumer rights investigation from RPS there. <laughs> <laughs> well you know at least you don't try and compete with us anymore what, don't 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 you me <laughs> i'm not them, them. Oh, yeah. he said a sentence that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> and then you pull out and then yes and then the entire universe <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should um, I, ju- I should justify that slightly more. No. no. <laughs> you see everything on an atomic level and then you can essentially scale up until you see the entire universe from a god's perspective and that is the game. But there's not really All right, we else get it, it, Sam. You've had an amazing time. <laughs> <sighs> Next question. <laughs> That's the game everything everybody. It's hard to explain because it's called everything. Mm. 
it's not that good. I tried to explain it. Yeah, on our live show. <laughs> on the live show. Yeah, I did that a double take. as well as you can imagine. Mm. Did it go as well as me pulling out, etc., etc.? <laughs> I think... Better. I think I went for the turtles in the end. It was yeah. just like, and then there's turtles, and then you can go and have a look at. And Chris was just like, "I what?" And I forgot that. You I can watch this on YouTube now. You can watch anything. me literally go, uh, "What?" Mm-hmm. Uh, like that. Um, mm. Yes, on the subject of, uh, what were we talking about? I yeah. don't get into genres that I'm not into. I've learnt my lesson. Horror games are not for me. It's not no. happening. It's never happening. It's very, very funny. Likewise, movers for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry I broke those for you. <laughs> it's okay. Oh. We should have played something uh, that didn't involve any competition, and you should have just babied us for like twenty hours, and then maybe at the end of it we would have felt. Something. I I really enjoyed that feature. I, I enjoyed it as well, but it was also the saddest I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not an exaggeration. It was pretty sad. It really time. ruined my buzz. <laughs> it did. Yeah, we were devastated. You ringers. I had one ringer. And it wasn't a ringer because he said that he didn't remember how to play. It was Quinn's. Yeah. Quinn's. <laughs> Who's the said... most competitive man other than me and Rich McCormick. <laughs> you <laughs> were in the game. Yeah. There was you and there was Alice who also knew Dota. Yeah. In my defense. So that's three people. We have no, one. in my defense, <laughs> it's 50 50 whether Alice decides it's more funny to completely screw me over yeah. or to compete. That's true. Yeah, She's see, a wild guy. She played guy. on a different premise than we did. <laughs> yeah. We were all amateurs apart from one guy and, you know, yeah. Well, my actual team m- member slept through the thing. So you don't get to pull in a magic man who does remember how to play Shadow Shaman. But you were like, you, but you were Daryl like, Strawberry. we need to do this for the feature, for the magazine. I did you a solid. You had a feature. That's very true. We did, yeah. Thanks, I man. guess, yeah, thanks for furnishing that narrative. Mm. Really glad I dragged this corpse out of the <laughs> Thank you. deep sewer that yeah. he's buried in. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I am responsible for setting off which half of Alice you ended up with. Yeah, you really did. Because I picked Invoker deliberately to hamstring myself. She wasn't she... even paying attention until that point. Yeah. She'd gone to get cake. Exactly. You were, you were so in danger of getting... No fucks today, anybody, Alice. And what, because I picked Invoker to hinder myself, but that ended up, or like to give myself like a hard thing to do so that it would be a little bit more fair. Um, Alice saw that as bravado and decided to go with Puck. She was like, them's fighting words, give me Puck, give me mid. <laughs> ah, so... uh, this is familiar, understanding nothing and then being sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Andy Kelly less likely to do something again. <laughs> Aside from karaoke. <laughs> Has he done karaoke? Yeah. No, actually, I've seen him be or at... coming to the pub. I've seen him be physically <laughs> at karaoke. Does he do it in the voice of, like, no, Marlon Brando or Christopher not... Walken? No, that's being in the pub. Uh, I've not seen him sing karaoke. I've seen him be there, I think. I was going to say, I think he performed Cher, but that was me. <laughs> It's sometimes hard to tell the difference. Well, I was just I was assuming everyone was in the moment. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, well, that's all the genres we've tried to get into and failed. Mm. Our next, Pip. Oh, no, I was just thinking I don't even branch out with karaoke. It's Cher or YMCA. Mm. No, it's not YMCA. It's in the Navy. Always in the Navy. Good to know. 
Jams writes. Oh, Wild Wild West. Jim West. Desperado. Thanks. <laughs> Dear Clues and Christies, the whole CNC gang, past and present, and including recurring folk like John and Alex and Sam, why not? You're a recurring guest now, Sam. Two two times is recurring. Sorry, two times, sorry. Two times Roberts. Have found yourselves at a fancy late 1920s soiree. Someone has been murdered. No! Thanks, Pip. Well, I mean, you paused. I thought maybe there was a, an emotion. I was breathing. Oh. The sweaty <laughs> brutal, we could call it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, which one of you is the victim and which one is the killer? What was the murder weapon? What was the motive? <laughs> which one of you was the clever amateur detective who figured it all out? Why were the victim's feet removed? Thanks for sleuthing everyone. Jonathan, who's jams on Discord. Uh, so the feet removal is a reference to the uh, great mysterious mm. bath phenomenon. The, 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 the Bath and Northeast Somerset foot There are two crimes. really critical issues that affect local people in Bath. One is, shall we turn the bins into sacks so the goals don't get in there? And the other one is... Who puts these fucking feet in all over the place? <laughs> Several left feet have turned up in that's, random that's fields. Most of the that's socialist issues. Do you think the range of Bath's maybe issues. it's because they've started using sacks and so the girls are getting in them and mm. then the feet are being taken from where they were? The feet. It doesn't explain where the feet came from, though. In terms mm. of- no one has reported any missing feet. That is the crucial aspect of this crime. And you'd think that at least two people would have... Yeah. yeah. Didn't it turn out that it was like medical students and it was a gag or something gone? Did it? Did it? What's your answer to that? I might have dreamt that actually. Yeah. That, that don't, that's not correct. I would try that immediately. Either way, <laughs> the game's afoot. Oh, God. Oh God. We're in the yard now. So I think I think Chris would be yes! a good killer in that situation. I think I might be dead actually. <laughs> oh really? Well, hang on. If we didn't didn't you people decide that perhaps Marsh was the foot killer? Yes, we did. Only because there was a sort of eerie overlap between the mm. end of the foot. Or but the, there was another the end... foot after he left. But he could that's, have shipped that in. That's what that's what threw us off the scent. So hang on. So Marsh is the killer then? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Fine. Probably. <laughs> Um, he, there's a PS here that says, uh, and how would we force Graham to say the word murder? Put him in charge of the investigation. That's one way of doing it. That's I think you'd be the, works. I think you'd be the plucky detective, Pip. Would I? Yeah. The, mm. the Miss Marple of this I let enterprise. Miss Marple down in, we talked about this, didn't we? I played spirit AI stuff mm-hmm. to, to write a feature on that the same afternoon that you did yeah and we compared notes as to the murder investigation that we went through with the ai robot potential murderer Mm. and i had not arrived at a satisfactory conclusion or of the murder even though i did it three times (laughs) (laughs) and i'd do it again (laughs) neither did i to be fair i just got slightly closer to knowing the circumstances around the killing Mm, um, I had a lot of circumstantial evidence, but I don't think that that was helpful to anybody and the robot got sad yes. when I explained this to her. I moved so. closer to the robot to intimidate the robot, but the robot was scared, so I moved back again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like if, if uh, a detective trial was described in very basic programming language or something. Hmm. Um, I think surely um, you, Tom Francis would solve it 
He'd either do a perfect crime or solve the perfect crime. Oh, maybe he'd be. He's the... got the mind for it. <gasps> Would it be that he was the detective? Maybe he'd be the detective and the murderer. Oh, that'd be interesting. Covering mm. his own tracks. And the rest like of us in, could just um, enjoy the party. In, and the victim. Indigo, <laughs> Fahrenheit, Pearl, David Cage. Yeah, the, the scene at the start of that game. Yeah, mm. where um, you're both things. Indigo prophecy. Uh, slash Fahrenheit. Slash Fahrenheit. Yeah, where you are in a bathroom and a man is dead and you have to cover it up. But you also play the cop investigating the bathroom. Yeah. It's a really incredibly inventive scene that is undermined by everything that follows yeah. <laughs> in that game. But luckily you can just stop playing after that, yeah. you know. So yeah. it's like you enter the David Cage. And then <laughs> it's fine. This is the worst two, place. Two bad names for one game as well. Fahrenheit yeah. and Indigo Prophecy. Yeah. Celsius by David Cage. Yeah. Rubbish. Kelvin. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. What was the question? Uh, so, uh, is oh, yeah. Yeah, roles in it. So yeah. Tom Francis is all of them, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He and Chris is dead. dead. And he, yeah. And he's the butler, and he planned it, and he yeah. did it. And also he's dead. No I'm one just, else is at the party. I'm having a nice time. <laughs> yeah. I'm just out, you know, in my fancy drapes, shawl. Talking to people about things. eggs and hummingbirds. Yeah, I'd be one of those people who'd probably be written off as flighty, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Honestly, we had so many of these parties, and every time I checked the cupboard, all of the laudanum is gone. Tips vanished with it. <laughs> well, you know, I'd just be, you know, like one of those people who are written off as slightly odd, eccentric women doomed to be forever aunts to people's children. But and we... it's like, but I'm having a great time. It's fine. But, but it's explicitly a party that attended by your friends. Would we all think that about you? Like, absolutely. Have you ever watched <laughs> it's like, it's like Like the waves. <laughs> There's a lot of kind of ironic, no one's really friends. No. <laughs> because everyone keeps getting murdered. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really know. I think I, would, I think I would probably just die of TB like halfway through the party. <laughs> it was the 20s. <laughs> exactly. Would you be the second murder that turned out not to be a murder? Yeah, I'd have just uh, like fallen off something. Yeah, <laughs> okay, sure. Or not been able to handle my absinthe or whatever it is we were up to. Sure, fine, good. <laughs> what about you, Tom? What do you want to do at this party? Uh, I'll be the blurry out of focus guy who's raiding the port <laughs> 24-7. Sam? Uh, trying to make jokes and about half of them go down well. Oh, but... <laughs> He's such a card. Wait, wait. no, I is. can imagine you in an ambassador's sash. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That You'd be the garish, visiting but, dignitary. Yeah. From... What institution? No, that's okay. up to you. Okay. Uh, well, sure. I guess. I, I guess so. I mean, I might use the party to get to know Graham. Maybe really like well, one of those know. places that is very sort of referenced in twenties murder party literature. That you know, like Prussia. Oh or, right, yeah. You know, See, I was places just... that was Prussia still in existence at that point? If, yes, I think so. Was. I think it didn't exist until the First World War. Well, yeah, but that we're talking after. about the 20s. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and thus. <laughs> the heat's done bad things to our brains. But it's anyway, so I just, I think that you would do well as a kind of visiting dignitary slash, you know, you could be someone from <coughs> Downton, you know, you'd look you're good at that. Well, thank you very much. Hmm. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I am... Um, hmm. 
I was picturing it more as like Gatsby's mansion, you know, like that sort mm. of uh, situation. There'd be a swimming pool, mm. you know, there'd be many sort of towers. There'd be one room that was just linens. He has that room in his house for some reason, Gatsby. Yeah, yeah. Just so he could throw Didn't it at Aaron Daisy. did Spelling have like a wrapping room, like for wrapping paper? Only you would know that, Pip. <laughs> did he? <laughs> My question to you is, did Aaron Spelling have that room? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Like, it's like a, the future is just an egg that recedes ever slightly ahead of us, never moving forwards or or backwards. Oh, I would want to be the Maggie West Smith egg, character. a West egg moving over. That's very <laughs> good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, no, I wouldn't be the cool guy who drinks too much absinthe and, and, and passes away as a decoy to the little murder. I would be the... Uh, cousin who's just gotten back from his grand tour and won't you shut the fuck up about it. Oh, Gapia. Some... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> grand tour. But in Rome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I get tuberculosis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Trevi Fountain. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if we answered this, but in some ways, I'm not sure we can. No. Um, our final email is a grudge. Oh. From Joseph, who writes, Dear Grudge Keeper, my grudge is about cutscenes, but not about unskippable ones. Complaining about that is a bit like complaining about goblins. Is it? I think he's really committing to the Grudge Keeper dwarf book of grudges. Oh, maybe I should as well, but then I'd have to know a lot more than I mm. do. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm Aaron Spelling in this scenario. <laughs> I bear many grudges in my egg room or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was five minutes ago. It's a wrapping paper room. Come <laughs> Sorry. on. <laughs> Sorry. The great grudge bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Although I realised it... that you were making a pun on Great Gatsby. I was imagining a bee. <laughs> Just a big bee. The great grudge bee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is lying about its identity. <laughs> like, oh, throws it's huge got, parties for other bees. It's just got like a little moustache and keeps trying to hide and eat honey and pollen and things. And it's and, a metaphor for the American dream. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm taking snuff. It's fine. And everyone's a bit like, okay. <laughs> I love, but cannot be loved truly because I've masked myself with wealth. I'm also Covered a bee. In bees. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I feel sad for him now. We should move on because I'm getting emotionally attached to the bee. <laughs> uh, Goblins. Sorry, Thorgrim, he continues. Oh, no. Uh, it's oh, not wait, just... no, Thorgrim, grudge bearer. Yes. Grudge bringer. Grudge hammer. Bearer. Right, sure, good. First good time. <laughs> That's just not specific enough. Every damn dwarf has a grudge against goblins. No, instead my grudge is against cutscenes. It can't be paused. Interesting. Go on. I will. <laughs> this is a bit like unskippable. <laughs> this is a bit like unskippable cutscenes. Because it also assumes that you can put aside the time consistently to look only at the cutscene. But unpossible ones are weirdly more annoying to me because maybe I do not. Maybe I do want. Uh, fucking hell. I don't think I can read anymore. I think I get the the point though. It's basically yeah. Just give me a sec. I'm just gonna... Oh, sorry. I thought you'd given up. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
unpausable ones are weirdly more annoying to me because maybe I do want to actually watch it, but someone has come into the room and it's rude to ignore them, so now my attention is torn and I could just pause it like any other non-live video source, but nope, it will keep running, either distracting me or being ignored. I think that's reasonable. And that is a hell of a sentence. I think it's annoying that cutscenes basically won't let often won't let you do anything that it isn't the center of attention Mm. in you know you can't skip it thus rendering it less important than the developers think it is or you can't pause it thus acknowledging that real life is perhaps more important than it at a given moment in time and so you know in doing so it is rendering itself missed ignored and hated so yeah sure (laughs) Good. See, I agree. I agree. I yeah. suppose going back to GTA Online, that had unskippable cutscenes that drove us. Oh yeah, mad. So yep. yes, I uh, happy to uh, top grudge. Yeah, good. I um, I kind of like. I sometimes wish you could have the option to rewind or fast forward cutscenes as well, or just have the option to watch them out of out of the game and just mm. the extras menu. Functionally, they're little bits of television or movie, and mm. they should have all of the controls attached to them. That a movie of, would um, have, including audio descriptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what um, Tacoma's entirely based around, isn't it? Like the the idea is that you're on this space station that is now abandoned after a disaster, and you get to play scenes that have been recorded by the ship's computer and you can scrub forwards and backwards and follow different people and see what you missed or you know hurry it along. It's it like the whole thing is built around what I think cutscenes should also be. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good suggestion. That's from Joseph, and I believe it's in the book. Mm. It's very much in the book. Well done. Good job mm. Mm. for finding a new kind of angle on cutscenes because you know to hate them from. Is, mm. Yeah, and sorry I fucked up reading that second sentence. It was a doozy, mm. and it is hot in here. So now, regretfully, I must take off all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> we always knew it would end this yeah. way, the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Did we ever establish like why Nelly had so many R's in that song? Hot in here. It was the, mid, it was the early North. Was it just that it was cool? Uh, Ironically, for the title. Yeah, I, I guess uh, so, you know. <laughs> just it, Or it was a, you know, an administrative error. And like it was, it was too late to cancel it. They'd already logged it with HMV. Unfortunately, hot in here was taken. So it was that or hot in here, nineteen ninety six. Hot in hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or warm in this area. <laughs> it's getting warm in this area. Pull out now. Oh no. Let's stop. Sorry. That's okay. If you'd like to send us a question, grudge, statement, or joke for a future episode of The Crate and Crowbar, you can do so by emailing us at questions at crateandcrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. You can hang out with our community on Discord, on our Discord channel, the link for which is on our website at crateandcrowbar.com. You could subscribe, sub- sub- that was doing so well. You could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar as ever your reviews and likes and favs and Ratings and subscribes and particularly iTunes reviews. Click them star buttons. Press the button when it says you want to rate this. Say yes. Why not? What have you got to lose? Five stars. That's the correct one. Thanks, Pip. 
All of those things definitely help. Not sure how, but they do. If you'd like to definitely help in a way that's a lot more tangible than any of the things I just said. Ooh, a moth. Anyway. Yeah. If you like, to, <laughs> you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. Thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers, donors, donors, donators. Stop looking donors. at the moth. It's a, it's a big moth. Yes, but dib dib. Dib dib. Your support for the pod allows us to do the pod to the standard that we manage. And also, <laughs> the number... <laughs> My lease of honesty. And uh, also to do our spin off projects like the Bubborn video series, which is ongoing, and Miniatures Monthly, which will return next week. The Sexy Murder Party, which we will be having next week. Yeah, in 1926. That's all of that part of the outro. If you'd like to follow us as individuals i'm on twitter at c thurston that's c-t-h-u-r-s-t-e-n this week's guest samuel roberts is samuel w roberts on twitter that makes sense pip is uh but uh (laughs) tom is (laughs) (laughs) at pcg Why did I say it like that? I don't know. It's very warm. It's, it's very, very warm. warm in here. I was suddenly imagining that your name was Samuel Roberts, but with a wr like wrestling, you know? So the W was silent, and you're just Samuel Roberts. Oh, I see what you mean. You see? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing for me yes, to draw Pip. That, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see why you would think that, yeah. It's an easy way to remember it for all the folks at home. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Pip. But what is your name? Oh, it's at Philippa War. That makes sense. P h i l i p p a w a double r. Flawless. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. It's got a double r, like Nelly. <laughs>